Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. What up, everybody? It is Wednesday, October 6th. Right in the middle of your week. Titans back on the practice field here in just a minute. Mike Vrabel just spoke earlier. Uh, Lucas Panzica talked about it in his update that you caught right before we got started. By the way, Lucas is here. Blaine is here. Mickey is here. Yeah, I'm here. Roger Saffold in concussion protocol. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Darrington Evans back at practice. He joins Marcus Johnson and Brady Breeze in the in the return protocol, which here we go. 21 days from the start. Explain to us, knucklehead. 21 days. So once you come out of off of IR, which you I I'm waving my arms around. Yeah, just yeah, I, thought, I thought you were talking to Nick Saban. I'm telling you to bunt. I didn't, I didn't know <laughs> <laughs> what you were doing. <laughs> so so IR once upon a time was you went on IR and you never came back. Then you could designate, remember, a couple of players, and they could return from IR. Well, because of COVID, and I'm going to tell you, Blaine, I think this is a fantastic rule. You can put somebody on IR, and they can can come back. They just have to be out for three weeks. They're playing 17 games now. I I think anything that will help teams with roster management is a good thing. Mm -hmm. So guys are starting to come off now who started the season on IR. So Darrington Evans is the latest. So Marcus Johnson is in this window, and Brady Breeze. They're like in this weird – it's not like Kicker Island where all the kickers and punters go who don't have a team right now, and they just work out every day and, you know, drink like energy drinks and stuff and just wait to be transported back to a team Mm -hmm. for a week or two, and then they're transported back to Kicker Island. This is the deal where they can practice every day. They don't count against the team's roster. They've got 21 days. And with Marcus Johnson, because we still have zero idea why he ever went on IR. No one knows. It's the greatest mystery in Titans football right now is whatever happened to but Marcus. Do they have to list something? Have we, I, I, every, I, don't, I don't see anything, but. I, I guess not. Right. And I guess if you go on IR, you can just go on IR because he did. Right. Now, it said undisclosed illness. I mean, it, hey, man, I had COVID. Sometimes I still get tired. I still can't smell anything. I, you know, maybe it's something. Except he's running around, so that's yeah. why maybe he was up. So maybe it could be, and I don't even remember if, if I, and I'm just, I, I don't know. Maybe it's something COVID-related. I, I don't know. Uh, it could be anything. We don't know. So all we can do is so just now, wonder. Just to keep it simple, now these guys are available. Depending on how practice goes, they can yes. be up and ready to rock and roll. See, this is, if I was coaching, you'd be that guy telling me what I, who's up and who's not. And then I, I just keep it moving. Yeah. <laughs> so these guys potentially can play on Sunday. That's what it tells us. And Darrington Evans, I think, of all the guys, is the most important. Well, you could say Johnson, too, depending on if the two studs are back, which I'm assuming they're not. Yeah. Uh, but still, uh, you want to keep uh, the king fresh. So maybe some of these first downs, maybe he can take a drive. And maybe then, you know, the king can come in for a third and three or under. Uh-huh, because Darrington Evans is on that drive. Is that asking too much for someone, you know, coming off of uh, IR? Huh? To take a series or two? Throughout a game, you got this drive. It could be three and out. It could be ten plays. Zach is asking this question, uh, and this, this is a valid question. Why do we need Evans back when we have McNichols? I mean, Nichols is, is certainly a solid player, and he caught 18,000 screens last week, and he's a special teamer, and he picks up the blitz, and he does all those things. In my opinion, I mean, in my opinion, Blaine, and you, you can say, hey, that's dumb, or hey, that's right, or they're somewhere in between. Darrington Evans is a different guy with his speed and with all the things that he offers. Uh, Darrington Evans, to me, has a chance to play more running back than a McNichols. If they're both healthy and available on game day, 
I think the team looks at Evans as a different guy than McNichol. Right. Well, what I'm what I'm going to say is that quit looking at this as, as one, two, three running back. Yeah. Jerry McNichols is still your third down back. As I gave the example, he can take series away from Henry as the starter. I, McNichols never plays first and second down. So I'm going to utilize Evans as Darrington Evans as the Henry replacement, giving him a break throughout. Go look at his carries across the NFL. He's blowing people out. Well, we can't continue that and think he's going to be ready down the road. He is a cyborg, but you want to, hey, okay, we can give you a rest here or there, right? Uh, you know, on first and second down. So I'm not talking about replacing McNichols sure. in my mind. I'm talking about now dressing three running backs, and then, uh, you know, McNichols and, and Evans can run down on special team, or Evans can now be my kick returner because those are some of the things that he did, and he was special, and that's why we drafted him. Yeah. So I'm dressing all three, and I'm still keeping McNichols in his role sure. because that role is he's doing a great job at it, and I will not take it away from him unless someone else beats him out of it, but they're not going to have a shot if he keeps doing well as the third down back. Sure. So Evans is the rotational person with the king. That's it for me. At this point in time, because also you don't know, you don't want to depend on Evans yet because you got to see him in a game and do it a couple games in a row to see if his body will stay healthy just to continue this process of being kind of the setup guy uh, after uh, the King. The other thing with Evans is during the preseason, we actually saw them run him between the tackles. Like you said, we saw him run the things that they run with Henry. Well, he showed that last yeah. season at the end when he was healthy. Yeah. And he showed, you know, the Hammy was healthy, and he had a burst. He was a burst of light. He was different. He's just a different breed. He runs in between the tackles as well as outside the tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's got sprinter speed, uh, power. So, yeah, all those things match up with what they do in this offense as a complement to the King. Couple of practice squad additions uh, that happened, I guess, late yesterday. This is something we talked about last week. Did they just bring back John Simon? They did. John Simon's on the practice squad. He went to longtime NFL bets, played in almost a hundred games. Uh, they did bring him back. He's on the practice squad, and the way it works now, they can bring up guys from the practice squad every week if they need to. So he could very well play on Sunday. Uh, also, defensive lineman Karan Reed. Uh, Simon had a sack against Tampa Bay here in the preseason. I'm just trying to like jog people's memory to remember him. Has been with Vrabel, I guess, a couple of times in his career. Um, Reed has played for five teams in seven NFL seasons, so more of a journeyman type guy. But uh, maybe John Simon can can give him a few snaps on Sunday if that's what they need. But well, especially if Doug, you know Bud Dupree's not up. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I, I could see that, and I think that's when they cut him. They cut him early. I, I felt like I think we both did that. There's a possibility he'll come back, so his contract's not guaranteed, and he's kind of a week to week, you know, month to month guy, and you know he understands the defense, knows his responsibilities, and, you know, he's a solid, you know, backup player, a guy you can depend on in special teams. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Big story that had a lot of Titans fans sort of all in their feelings today was Stephon Gilmore. There was a report this morning he was going to be released, and it may have been hmm. – there are so many NFL reporters that report so many different things. It may have been Jos- Josina Anderson who reported they tried to trade him. They put out the will-release – thing this morning they leaked that out and essentially hoping just somebody at the last minute would offer them more maybe than what they had offered this is what got the deal done a six-round pick 2023 six-round pick from carolina gets the deal done stefan gilmore he's in the last year of his deal so if you want to keep him beyond this year you're going to pay him a crap ton of money uh but he's off to carolina so they pulled well, off i think the he last only has seven trade. million that he's getting paid this year 
you, uh, but if you want a long-term deal, yeah, you're right. Uh, so, you know, I think he's a rental. Uh, and it, <laughs> I wouldn't have gone after, I would have made a phone call if I'm the Titans. Got to inquire, see what you, you know, you, you always can go for an elite, you know, defensive back. He's one of four defensive backs was defensive player of the year. So, yeah, I would inquire to make sure he's healthy, uh, see where his mind is at and, you know, what he's thinking. And, and if it's a rental, six-round pick, man. You start looking around at the Titans, you go, well, dang, we could have gave a six-round pick for him. I would have done it. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought that they could get him for a six-round pick, though. See, I, I would have either. never guessed that, ever. I would have thought, oh, worst case scenario, third, fourth round. Yeah. Here's- I wasn't thinking first, but I, I was thinking, eh, third, fourth round guy. Um, Dang, six round? Yeah, Titans, that's what we need to ask the Titans. Would you have wanted uh, Stephon Gilmore for a six-round pick? I would have for so, a six-round, but, you know, it's high side 2020. I don't know what, you know, what they were thinking over there, but uh, I think, how about this? Look at this lineup. I know a lot of people are not on, a fan of, of right now of Jack Rabbit, but Jack Rabbit, Stephon Gilmore, and Fulton in the slot. Mm. Didn't think about all the guys you have on depth as backup. Mm. Wow. Oh, Borders. Got Chris Jackson, mm-hmm. Molden. Uh, who's the other outside back? You know, another backup outside, you know, corner. So I thought it would have built a little more depth. If we're talking about six round pick, and you thought that was a possibility, yeah, uh, yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. So he would be available for, for one year. Yeah, that's what they did last year. Uh, who was the slot guy we have? He's, I think, he's with the Texans now. We traded for from the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was it King? The yeah, other King, King. the King, yeah, <laughs> yeah. little King, little King, the little Prince King. of Kings. Yeah. So anyway. here's here's their recent six round picks. This is just to tell you what a six round pick might bring you. They took two this year: Racing McMath and Brady Breeze. Those two six round picks. <laughs> Last year they didn't have a six round pick. The year before they took David Long. Now David Long's about to be. David Long's going to be here a minute. So that's that's one six round pick. You go. They rolled the dice. Uh, the year before that it was Luke Falk. He was gone before he he was gone, the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, the year before that, it was Corey Levin, who oddly enough is back after an odyssey yeah. around the league. Um, the year before that, it was Sebastian Tritola, who was out of Arkansas. Remember, he mm-hmm. played a year. I think he played – he that year, every draft pick, I think, played in a game, either except him or he played in one game. And remember, he went to a club like in Fayetteville and, and got capped in the leg, and that was the end. They cut him after that. So he played very sparingly. Maybe he never played, but I thought he played. The year before that, DeAndrez Mount and Andy Gallick. Uh, so I'm starting to get people. Six-rounders here traditionally aren't people who stick around, with the exception, with a great exception of David Long. Maybe there'll be another David Long-type pick in the 2023 draft for a six-rounder, but uh, that's what it got done. We got one quick phone call. Frankie and Henderson will Hendersonville wants to weigh in on the Mark Spain hotline on this Gilmore thing. Frankie, thanks for calling. Hey, my pleasure. Hey, here's the thing with Gilmore. He carries a $16.3 million salary cap hit. What is the salary cap that the Titans have? It's not even feasible. So we're talking hypotheticals here. Isn't the uh, Titans got about $7 million in, in available salary cap? So they would have had to do some beyond magic, and it probably wasn't even realistic. No. And so uh, he was untradeable no, no. to most teams because of that $16.3 million salary cap hit. Actually, that, that's, that's not that, correct. That's not correct. Yeah, that's not correct. He, he was, he only had, they only paying him, uh, they've already paid him a sign of bonus, and the cap doesn't follow you to where you go. It's what you present to the team. They only have to pay him $7 million for this rest of the season. 
Uh, so whatever that cap would be, and you could break that up, but uh, it, it wouldn't have been uh, fourteen million. And the Titans have about ten, according to Spot Track. But yeah, you, his cap hit is is is. I'm not, not a capologist, but I, I do know that, yeah. that, that that's, it doesn't follow him where he goes. He that's what they paid him up front. Some of it was up front money, by the way. So that doesn't go to the Titans, I don't think. Yeah, you're and, and Blaine nailed that. You're all your dead cap stuff that rolls back to the team who gets rid of you. They just yeah. eat it. They just eat a crap cap sandwich uh, when they get rid of you. All the new team is responsible for is the money that's still owed to you on the contract. That's which, it. Which is seven million, right? Uh, I think that's the neighbor. Yeah, something in those right. lines. And one of the cap guys tweeted, "These are the teams that cannot afford Stephon Gilmore this morning." And the Titans weren't on that list. There's five or six teams who are really up against it. Yeah, that's what they were talking about. Was that Gilmore wants to be paid around the fourteen, fifteen million range per year uh, with a long term deal. Uh, so that that's where that number may have come from. Yeah. Well, I, and hey, man, not everybody's. I mean, there's so much information out there about. I think the cap. he's a rental to yeah. me. That he's a rental. So then you say, okay, only teams who have cap space and that think they can have a shot at winning the Super Bowl, going to the Super Bowl, or go deep into the playoffs are going to really be targeted. That's. That's why they end up only having a six-round pick because there's only so many teams out there like that. And look at the Panthers, too, three and one. Panthers, mm-hmm. who get Sam Darnold. Hey, man, yeah, we'll rent this dude for a year. Absolutely. We're going to go for it. Yeah. Well, they going traded for, for Henderson, too, as well, after uh, J.C. Horn uh, yeah. broke his foot. So By the way, that was awful looking. Oh, I, I didn't see it live. I just saw it rolling off on the cart. Yeah. <laughs> he was just backpedaling. And then his foot was sideways. It is, yeah. Okay. All right, Lucas is getting sideways sideways with us because he's about to get SEC Mike on the phone. We're going to take a look all around the SEC next. You do not want to miss it. Mike Bratton next on Blaine and Mickey 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone, waiting uh, SEC Mike. Mike Bratton to uh, check in with us here. Lucas has all points bulletin out for Mike. Tennessee and uh, South Carolina set to play, and a lot of excitement by some people, not everybody. Black uniforms back in the fold uh, for the Tennessee Vols. I'm sure Lucas Panzica has strong feelings about this. Oh. Um, oh, that that could be a topic in itself. Just, I mean, we could put it out there. Do you... Do you uh... <laughs> Like the uh, black jerseys there in Tennessee because they're traditionists and uh, they they like the old uniforms. And that's funny because a team like they Tennessee, didn't even like the grays. I like the grays too. I just I like. I'm not t- a uniform guy, so you're our uniform expertise. I, I'm a uniform guy. I was never crazy about the gray. Now I get it though, the significance of the Smoky Mountains and the mm-hmm. guy. So I totally get it from that standpoint. Now in that way, it's cool. And they even had kind of the grade of those Smoky Mountains on the helmet, but. Uh, Throwing in the black in October, black and orange, that was my high school colors. I, I think it looks cool. Mm. Mike Bratton joins us. Now let's just ask him. You like black uniforms on Tennessee? Mike, what do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I can't believe there's so many people that uh, are taking the opposite angle with this. I mean, uh, Tennessee needs some excitement, and I, I think this is just going to help. Well, they had such a, a nice win over over Missouri. And – that was one of those things where they just got off the bus. And if you looked at the stats, it's the stats said run the ball. And that, <laughs> I mean, it's, sometimes you just get off the bus and it's like, let's don't overthink things. And, Mike, if you watch their games, how many touchdowns plays has Hypel drawn up and maybe they didn't execute or other plays where things were there, a dropped fourth down pass, whatever it might be, 
This time it seems like everything he drew up, they executed and it worked. They only had two penalties. That was such a big win against two teams that seemed fairly even going in. Yeah, and I, I mean, who would have seen this coming? But it it's almost like Josh Heupel is the perfect fit for what Tennessee's got right now because he is just wheeling and dealing with his play calling, and, and there's so many shots to be had, particularly early on the in the game. I think, you know, his mindset, of course, this is every coach's mindset, but you want to jump on the opponent early. And like you said, Tennessee's just not been able to capitalize on a lot of those opportunities. But if they had, I mean, that pit, that pit game would have been like 28-3 to three right out the gate. Yeah. Uh, same deal with Bowling Green. And, uh, and, of course, we don't have to rehash the Florida game, but there were so many opportunities that were not taken advantage. So uh, I think Josh Heupel is, is just doing an outstanding job. Well, the other thing is, uh, as people said after the pit game, if you had switched the quarterbacks, Tennessee would have just killed them. You know, if you just said, okay, uh, Kenny Pickett is on Tennessee's team and then they get, you know, uh, Tennessee's quarterback, then it, it's a completely different story. But uh, they certainly have their quarterback now in Hendon Hooker. He's been fantastic now that he's running the show full time and there's no question who the starter is. Yeah, and I guess that would be my only concern is the fact that for whatever reason he thought Joe Milton was better because, mm-hmm. hey, I was on an island. I as soon as they added Hendon Hooker, I went back and watched all his games at Virginia Tech. As soon as they added Joe Milton, went back and watched his games. And I do not know how anybody in the world thought Joe Milton was a better prospect. And But, hey, insiders were right. I mean, I, I don't even know if this was a fair competition in fall camp. Milton was their guy, and that has proven to, to be a, a bad fit, obviously. But uh, – Hey, it is what it is, and, and Hendon Hooker, he's not an all-SEC caliber player, but uh, he's not far off, and I, I think as long as he keeps playing the way he is, he's going to give Tennessee a shot in, in just about every game here. SEC Mike at Michael W. Bratton from That SEC Pod, which you need to be listening to. He joins us now on Blaine and Mickey. Well, Mike, I'm sure Tennessee is elated, but as soon as Hooker got in the game, I guess two games ago, he – was more efficient in the offense initially anyway. So I thought Hypo was supposed to be this quarterback guru. It was pretty clear to all of us that Hooker was the better player, at least in this offense. Yeah, like well, yeah, that. Like I said, that's the biggest question mark now I've got with Josh Hypo. I mean, did he have some kind of, I don't want to say a deal, but uh, it just seems... <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you said it right. It was a deal. <laughs> it was a deal. He jumped everybody. I... I mean, yeah, I mean, as soon as as Joe Milton came in, he was the guy. That that just made no sense to me. And I I didn't like the, you know, the stories we heard coming out there where now he says he got this mysterious injury that Michigan has never, you know, really uh, confirmed that he had up there, but he lost his job anyway. And now, and now it seems like there's kind of a mysterious injury he's had up here at Tennessee. So it seems like a guy that, that is very eager to make excuses of why he's not playing that well. Mm. Well, I guess uh, as soon as UT's offense got off the bus, uh, <laughs> you could just uh, run the football down Missouri's throat. I, I'm, man, was Missouri's defense just this bad? I mean, man, or was it more scheme-related? It was the D-line coach, well, right? Well, Why sure they, they fired they him. They fired a D-line coach, but, man, is, is Wilkes <laughs> and Drinkowitz, I mean, that's still part of this responsibility here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Missouri's defense has been bad all season, but – They've not been as bad as they were last weekend. So, you know, I guess you got to credit both sides, but I I really do think Tennessee 
took advantage of it a lot better than anybody. I mean, Kentucky, everybody's high on Kentucky up there, and they're red hot and all that, and, and they were able to just run right through Missouri's defense, but they didn't put up 60 points. Uh, I think they only put up – I think they put up 35 on them. But, yeah, I mean, Missouri's pretty bad, and I, I think we're seeing already that Eli Drinkwitz maybe made a, a terrible decision hiring a, a longtime NFL coordinator right, that – for whatever reason, is just struggling to uh, translate to the college game. Yeah, no doubt about it. But, uh, with Mike Bratton, SEC podcaster, and all SEC, I guess. And uh, I guess uh, Coach O was playing Kentucky, as you mentioned. Man, <laughs> they lost to Auburn 24 to 19. Is Coach O on the hot seat? Because Kentucky looks like they are the real deal, they find ways to win games. Yeah, man, you know, I was interesting. I was just talking to someone else about this game, but there's no LSU booster or fan or anyone down there, I don't care how good Kentucky is, that is going to accept a loss to the Kentucky Wildcats. I mean, how many players on that roster did LSU even want when it comes to recruiting? So, uh, I know they're, they're ironically enough, their starting left tackle got booted from LSU this offseason. So, yeah, this is not going to be one that uh, anybody in Baton Rouge is going to, you know, take sitting down. So I, I really think Coach O's back is against the wall here, and if if he finds a way to lose this game, they may end up firing him by next week. I mean, I think it's that worrisome down there, and and a lot of that has to do with the off the field issues with Coach O. So uh, he's only lost back to back games once during his tenure there at LSU. So I think he'll have his team ready to play, but. Man, they, they're basically – they turned into Mississippi State overnight. They cannot run the ball. All they do is pass the ball. And uh, it's going to be a horrible, horrible look if Kentucky Wildcats out-physical an LSU Tigers team on Saturday night, which certainly could happen. Man, I mean, man, that's LSU's trademark, running the football. Someone told me – I don't know if this is true. They ran like 22 times and only had like 25 yards? Yeah, it's, and that's right why I call Mississippi State right now because they – uh, cannot run the ball. They will not run the ball. And about the only time they have something is when the the running back breaks about three tackles and, and he picks up four yards. You know what I mean? Like oh, the wow. offensive line, which is made up of four senior starters, they cannot block anything. So uh, that's that's got to be on Coach O and, and the development. They fired their offensive line coach during the offseason. Should have fired him a little bit sooner, it looks like, because they're clueless uh, up front. Well, let's talk about the team that beat them, Auburn. Have they figured it out with uh, Bo Nix? Well, <laughs> I may be a bad <laughs> person to ask because when I found out Bo Nix was starting that game, I put money on LSU because that's what I think of Bo Nix. <laughs> he, was like, he was playing like magic now. He was getting outside the pocket, <laughs> running around for his life, making some great throws. So I don't think you thought he was going to do that. I don't think anybody really thought that. No, he broke about 50 tackles and made uh, maybe the greatest touchdown I've ever seen last weekend. So I don't know where that, that Bo Nix has been, but if he plays like that, maybe they got a shot against Georgia. But otherwise, uh, yeah, Auburn I don't think has got any shot. I think Georgia, I don't know why they're number two. They, they ought to be number one. I've been saying that for a while, and I, I think they proved that last weekend. Well, with Michael Braden, SEC podcast. So, Mike, how are, – are... – Alabama and Georgia, is it just them and then this lengthy void of nothingness and then everybody else? Well, 
call me crazy, but I still see a little bit of flaw there with Alabama. Oh, I mean, particularly crazy. now that we've seen Florida Gators lose two games, uh, it, just the fact that they were able to run all over Alabama and they stopped Alabama on the ground. So, yeah, I certainly think Alabama is running away with the West, but that has more to do with the fact that Texas A&M and LSU and now Ole Miss look like flawed football programs that are in it, able to compete. So I really think it's Georgia far and away better than everybody Alabama just a slight notch down, and, and yeah, certainly you could say there's a, there's a step between Alabama and everybody else, but I I don't know I I'm not one of these guys that think they're on a collision course for uh, a national championship game. I certainly it looks like they're on a collision course in Atlanta though. Um, you mentioned Texas A and M. Uh, somebody like they always do went and did a little counting on the records, and Kevin Sumlin, who nobody was ever happy with, it turns out his record at the same point in time is better than Jimbo's record who they just had to go and get had to pay what seven and a half million or something a year pretty interesting to Mm -hmm. see the record side by side when you know that Jimbo is getting literally every resource hand delivered at his disposal yeah I've seen the numbers and it it very much uh, reminds me of you know every time Kirby drops a game we got to look at his record compared to Mark Rick but right uh, that doesn't tell the whole story, in my opinion. I mean, when when Kevin Sullivan was down there, he had a guy named Johnny Manziel who he didn't even recruit. He had, uh, you know, some all-star receivers and, and linemen that he didn't recruit. And the biggest thing with those Kevin Sullivan teams, if you recall, I mean, they just they were basically no show in the fourth quarter, year in and year out. They were just each year they went about seven and five, eight and four, and any tough game they just could not physically man up. Whereas Jimbo just led A&M to their greatest season since like 1935. So I ain't buying that comparison, but I am very disappointed in the Aggies this year. I thought they'd be a West contender. I thought they'd be a college football playoff contender. But I think the biggest thing down there, and this is on Jimbo, but their starting quarterback got hurt. He's a a very mobile guy, Haynes King. And now they're they're playing Zach Calzada, who's more of a pocket-style passer. And it just didn't, it didn't seem like Jimbo was ready to to not have a mobile quarterback back there. Uh, the offensive line is a huge issue, and I think they just you know they were they were game planning to have a mobile quarterback, and once that flipped on him, uh, he's had no answer. So that is on Jimbo. But yeah, I, I think it's I think we're far away from calling uh, Jimbo the next Kevin Sumlin. <laughs> SEC Mike at Michael W. Bratton on Twitter joins us on Blade and Mickey. <laughs> Well, uh, Mike, I guess I want to ask you, who is surprising you and who is disappointing you the most? Mm, I think uh, the, the team that has kind of surprised me so far, I'll go back to Bo Nix and the Auburn Tigers. I mean, I know they lost to Penn State, but, you know, I picked them to be dead last in the SEC West. Mm. And, you know, they're looking pretty tough. I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe they do find some magic and upset Georgia. I certainly don't think that's going to happen, but uh, Auburn has has definitely been a surprise, and and it looks like they're getting better each week. Biggest bust, Texas A&M already talked about them, but the other one, got to be LSU, man. Uh, Man, I I really thought, you know, it's hard to believe now, but they returned outside of Ole Miss. No one returned more experienced production in the SEC than the LSU Tigers this season in, in the SEC, and we're just not seeing it. Uh, they're falling 
uh, late in these games. They're getting leads, and then they can't hold them. And that was just embarrassing against UCLA. So right now, LSU, to me, is, is the biggest dud. And that's why I think Coach O is, is firmly on that hot seat, particularly if you find a way to lose to the Kentucky Wildcats Saturday night. Well, what do you think about Arkansas after the loss to Georgia? You think they can rebound against Ole Miss? What do you think? Yeah, I really do because look at what happened to Ole Miss last week. I mean, I, this may have been a case where they just had not played anybody and not been tested. I bought, I, I you know, I, I fell for it for sure. I thought Ole Miss was legit. I thought they would go into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama last week, but I proved to be an idiot on that one. But uh, what was the plan of attack? The plan was to limit Ole Miss's possessions, run, run, run. Brian Robinson, I think he had 37 carries. So I think uh, Arkansas, that plays to their strengths. I think they're going to adopt that mantra. They already lead the SEC in rushing attempts. I think they're going to pound it on Ole Miss, and I don't think Ole Miss is going to stop them. So I, I think we're getting a really good game here between Arkansas and Ole Miss, but I would not be surprised at all if, if the Razorbacks pull the up, outright upset and getting six points on the road. That's probably my favorite bet in the SEC this weekend. Well, one more for me, and it's kind of an expansion deal with the playoffs. You know, Tell me, I guess, why expansion for the playoffs is good for the players. Oh, man, that's tough to answer because every, you know, all the reaction I see from the players is they don't want it. They don't want extra games. So how is it good? I mean, I guess um, hopefully we don't see this continue. I really hope we don't. But what was it last season? Once the team's year was done, we, we started seeing guys opt out all over. And I'm not saying we're seeing that at LSU, but we're already seeing Derek Stingley. He's, you know, he's had the surgery, so he's out for a little while. Uh, will star players start to sit out more and more? I think it's. Uh, I think that's potentially bad for players. So if you have an expanded playoff, there's more to play for. Maybe we'll have less players quitting on their team and their and their programs and and being more engaged as the season marches on because they have that carrot of reaching the college football playoff. That's about the only positive I could see for the players. Mm. Well, with uh, Michael Bratton, uh, SEC. Hey, on the way out, Mike, how many uh, popcorn lane Kiffin signs do you think we'll see on college game day this week? And how many people do you think will <laughs> shake popcorn at him this week? And just how much general popcorn-related things is he going to have in his life for the unforeseen future? Oh, man, let me tell you. I have recently bought tickets to uh, the Tennessee Ole Miss game, and right after I bought the tickets, I bought popcorn hats for me and my six buddies that are going to be down there. So. Yeah, that, that is going to be a meme that is not going to go anywhere for the rest of the season. And it particularly, if they lose this Arkansas game, uh, yeah, the, the popcorn memes are going to be running, running, running. So I can't wait to see it. And, hey, I, I like the fact that he's out there and he's, he's making these bold comments because it makes my job more fun. But you got to back it up. And like he said, man, they forgot to plug in the microwave last weekend well if i was him i would just have my agent call orville redenbacher incorporated or something <laughs> i would lean into it at this point i would be selling popcorn <laughs> yeah can we get some nil popcorn deals down there surely that's oh, got to be next for the Ole Miss rebels what do you think uh i would think absolutely and and before i let you go i've thought a lot about this that expanded playoff thing you know if you play mm-hmm. in the pro bowl if you play in the nfl playoffs you get x amount of dollars each week uh, just on top of what you make, well, your contract is 17 weeks. So uh, literally the NFL then kind of takes over with at least some pay. I-, I wouldn't mind at all seeing 
those guys get it because they're going to make bazillions of dollars. Okay, you play in the first round, you get this much money. Play in the second round, you get this much money more. If you play in the next round, this much money. You make the championship game this much. I would like to see them sharing the money. To me, that would that would make it more palatable that you're going to drag them around the country and make bazillions off their backs for a few more weeks. Yeah, and I mean, you could add to that because obviously when you make it that far, the the media scrutiny, if you will, the coverage is, is uh, you know, uh, it, it just goes up and up and up. And, and who knows? I mean, you get a bit more sponsors and maybe you let players, I don't know if they go this far, but, you know, let them wear patches of, of deals they have or gloves or shoes or something with uh, their sponsors, that that could certainly help the players. But you may be onto something there, and, and anything they can do to help out the players, I'm for it. Mike, good stuff, man. People can follow you at Michael W. Bratton, and, of course, that SEC podcast, all SEC fans, all of them, all college football fans, for goodness sakes, need to be checking that out. Thank you for the time today, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Yes, okay. sir, Michael Bratton. Uh, when we come back, I, I did put this out. I just I, I retweeted the Tennessee football account and said, I dig these uniforms. What do you think? I got a bunch of responses. Curious to find out what people think. You can hit us in the Zone TV chat, Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline, 615-737-1045. Blaney kind of mentioned this earlier. I mean, I told him I like him. He said, I wonder if anybody else likes him. So let us know. If you're a Vol fan, I'm real curious. Do you lean traditional? Do you hate it when they mess with the uniform? Should they have just gone smoky gray? Or do you like this departure uh, 615-737-1045. It's Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. So Tennessee, a lot of people have been kind of waiting on black uniforms. I know a lot of people who wanted those to happen, and their football account tweeted out essentially an all-black uniform with orange numbers and orange stripes, if you haven't seen it, uh, a white helmet, your same helmet, but with a black line around the T and two black stripes on either side of the orange stripe and and mm-hmm. a black face mask. Ooh. So some people are all in their feelings saying, you know, oh, gosh, now we look like Oklahoma State. Oh, this is Oklahoma State ripoff. Oklahoma State. Yeah, I, don't think, I don't think that at all. I mean, Oklahoma State's colors are orange and black. I, I didn't think that is for one second. Is black part of their color scheme, though? I know they were trying to sell us on the, the gray. I had to go look up the history. The gray actually was part of the really the original color scheme. I don't, I don't know if black ever was. But for a change up, for, you got to look at it from this perspective. For recruits, yeah. you know, the young kids is out there. They get jacked up and pumped up for it. Now, it's just for a game. Yeah. And I get you got to go back to what we are uh, full time. But for a little change up, it's always nice to get the, you know, the kids and, you know, everybody jacked up because of the uniform. I know you, you jacked up about it. You know, but I, I, I could care less what my uniform color was. I was going to ball it out regardless. They were going to do it in, or uh, they had it all scheduled to happen in 2020 when the schedule was initially out, kind of before COVID really ruined college right. football last year. It was going to happen for the Kentucky game. And then being COVID a, being a uh, UT graduate, I guess, tell us your thoughts. I'm assuming since you're a young guy that you love this idea. Uh, when I was in school, uh, I liked the Smoky Grays when they came out because, the, they, I mean, they, they added to the atmosphere, the checker kneeling and stuff. Then, yeah. then they started losing, and then, you know, Butch Jones starts losing, and okay. the gimmicks and everything kind of starts to catch up. And people get upset with them. When you don't win in them, you get upset with them. You don't want them to stick around. But now it's like I'm just whatever, you know, whatever will energize the program and, and the recruits. 
people are like, it's not Tennessee. Like, well, Tennessee, the last 20 years, is not getting you anywhere. So, <laughs> you know, be, be whatever you got to be to... to <laughs> Just keep it real there, Lucas. Yeah. Be, be whatever you got to be to put some energy into the program. got to make sure we get the umbrella out here, protect this building. We get yeah. napalm. I thought it would here, happen man. for the Ole Miss game, because South Carolina is an 11 a.m. kick. Ole Miss yeah. is a night kick, and it's Lane Kiffin coming to town, and Kiffin yeah. was the first to break out the black jerseys yeah. in 2009. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I loved them then, right? Oh, yeah, I think that oh, – there, there's always going to be people that are pissed off about it because of the tradition, right? There's right. always going to be those people. Tradition, but man. on that night, and it was Halloween too, next weekend, you know, closer to Halloween. But on that 2009 night, they warmed up in orange. It was just yes. normal. And then they come out of the tunnel in the black, and everybody's, what's going on? Oh, that's hard, though. But, I like that. that. But Coming out of the tunnel about in different that. jerseys. They were like practice jerseys from, like, Dick's Sporting Goods, right? <laughs> they didn't have names. They didn't have a pretty design. Like, you can never do that now. Oh, oh man. No. Oh, let me turn that back to me now. Okay. <laughs> I thought I that's what we we're going to do on Christmas, Christmas Day with the Titans. I thought we are going to go in and then change it to the red jersey <laughs> and come out and put a whooping on the Cowboys. Instead, we still gave them a whooping anyway. Just in the in the traditional in the traditional jerseys, but uh, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that would have had me on fire, man. I would have been, oh man, I might my head might explode. <laughs> let's uh, let's get Tim and Franklin. He wants to weigh in. I like him. Let's get Tim and Franklin on the black jerseys. Hey Tim, appreciate you calling uh, Blaine and Mickey. Hey Mickey, um, thank you guys for doing this. This is a great little thing. I saw the thing, the new uniforms. They're awesome, and I love them. And half the people that are can. Com- going to complain about them, you know, not being traditional, couldn't find Knoxville on the map. So uh, go balls and love your guys' show. Appreciate you. Keep up the good work. Oh, thank you, thank Tim. You. Yeah, yeah. It's it's always, you know, interesting because people who follow the program for so long just like the way the jerseys are and keep the colors. They don't want any changing at all. Um, and, you know, they don't have the perspective of, oh, you know, we don't care about the recruits. Well, yeah, you should care about the recruits because – they're going to continue to have your, your program in the right place uh, uh, as long as you have the right coach and coaches. So, yeah, I think it's always, you know, kids today, man, they all love the shiny new toys, man. So you got something new and fresh, they get livid for that stuff, man. They love that stuff. Yeah, me and Mickey, I, I, I can't even say Mickey, just me. <laughs> I, I could probably, yeah, it's cool. That's about it. But Mickey, whoa, man, he'd be jumping out of the <laughs> – out of the studio for some sweet looking black UT unis. Well, I, I, I got one rule on, on alternate uniforms. What's and that? I and I'm hard and fast on what this rule. Well, only one. I don't only I, one. Yep, only one. I I don't mind if you wear different uniforms or colored helmets. Now, somebody like Alabama or Penn State, they're never gonna they're you know, that's just not what they Notre do. Dame. Notre Dame and I'm and even Notre Dame has had a couple of slightly they, different things. They wear green, yeah. And and I'm although no I think Notre Dame in the green jerseys is the best uniform in college football. Period. The green jerseys. <laughs> yes. Gold helmet, green jersey, gold pants. I that is my all time favorite college football right. uniform. Besides Arkansas State in the seventies, that's number one. Notre Dame close number two. Though. Okay. My one I'll tell you what, I'll say in the seventies. We gotta take a break. I'll save this for the other side. My one college football rule, we got a bunch of people who want to weigh in on the jerseys. Some like, some don't like. I blame Oregon for all of this. 100%. It's that Nike money. We'll go to the phones. I'll give my one uniform rule. I only have one. That's next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone.